1: Welcome to SiriusXM's Cars and Culture. I'm Jason Stein in Los Angeles. Car companies don't always have the easiest pathway to consumer acceptance or staying power. Car companies headquartered in other countries, but with a strong desire to win in North America, often seem to have the greatest bends in the road. The number of twists and turns can be a direct result of executive decisions in far-off offices, product deviations, unique marketing, or all the above. In many ways, Volkswagen is a case study It's ride in America has been anything but linear. It started out as a love affair with the adorable movie star Beatle with the name Herbie.
2: They make 10,000 cars. They make
0: them exactly the same way. One or two of them turn out to be something special. The winner number 53, Jim Douglas. You're doing terrific, Herbie, but don't make it look too easy.
2: There isn't a driver in the world who can get that speed out of a car like that. He's done something to it. What do you say,
1: Douglas? Winner to become the sole owner of the car. Through the years, VW became known for even more. This time, German engineering from something called a Rabbit, GTI, and Jetta. Suddenly, America spoke a new language, thanks to one word. (laughs) Whoa,
0: that's Farfic And the Volkswagen Jetta has plenty of it, let me tell you. I'm talking about crisp European handling, brisk acceleration, room for five adults, not to mention a huge trunk. Don't take my word for it, although I am a professional. Sample some Farfic in a Jetta today. Farfic it's what makes a car a Volkswagen.
1: Volkswagen was on a roll in America, yet wanted more, and former executives in Germany thought they knew exactly what the U.S. wanted, ultimately designing cars built in America that few people purchased. The Passat built for America lost a lot of that German luster. And then Dieselgate nearly sunk the company here for good.
3: Last Friday, the EPA announced that some Volkswagen Naudi cars made between 2009 and this year were using a so called defeat device to get around emissions laws designed to keep the air clean. Volkswagen had a problem on its hands. Its diesel engines were known for getting great fuel economy, but the NOx trap only works well when more fuel is being used. So the car would detect using this defeat device when it was getting an emissions test. It would use more fuel, make the NOx trap work well, emissions would be fine, but then you get on the road, the device turns off you're burning less fuel but you're putting as much as 40 times more pollutants into the atmosphere but how the heck did the car know that it was being tested for emissions compliance the EPA says it was a sophisticated system that checked things like steering wheel position speed how long the engine was on and even the atmospheric pressure in other words there was no way this was accidental because the software was designed very carefully to detect an official emissions test that's some pretty serious deception and that's why Volkswagen is in such serious trouble in fact their CEO Martin
1: Vinterkorn just stepped down The quest for number one globally, combined with a desire to skirt the rules, smeared the brand and cut off diesel sales for good. Today, there's a new era in America and around the world. VW is all in on EVs, partly driven by the Dieselgate scandal and partly because of the transition to electric vehicles occurring on all continents globally. There are a raft of new EV entries coming and a commitment by the brand to ditch gas engines for good and become a cleaner, more hip, emotional brand. And just last week, the brand introduced its latest model at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show. It's called the ID7. At the heart of the emotion of the EV trend is a new global brand boss who wants to restore the love for the VW logo. Thomas Schaefer is a former Daimler guy who's lived in many different cultures, from Malaysia to Africa and even America. Today, from the floor of the Los Angeles Auto Show late last year, we sit down for an exclusive long-form interview with the man who wants to restore the VW brand for good. He's doing it with humility, passion, and an easygoing style. My guest today is CEO of the Volkswagen Passenger Cars brand and head of the brand group Volume at VW. He's the global boss talking about America, EVs, and even ice cream trucks.
2: Hi, I'm Thomas
1: Schaefer. This is Cars and Culture with Jason Stein. Wonderful, Thomas. It is great to be with you here at the LA Auto Show. Which, it, it's, it's just great to say, auto show, anyway, in this yeah. kind of new world, right? Yeah. Wow, true. <laughs> and, a, and a stop in America for you. I know you have massive global uh, responsibilities. Tell me what it's like to be in L.A. No, it's great to be um, in L.A. And uh, you know, I've,
2: I've spent some time here in 95, 96. I spent a phenomenal time in, in L.A. Now being back, I, I haven't been back really since then. Um, but now being back at, the, at an auto show in L.A., <laughs> this is, uh, you know, we have like the last two years was was no auto shows at all. Um, couldn't really go anywhere at all really during the pandemic. But now being at an auto show to reconnect, uh, meet other people from the industry. here. So a lot of people from my previous uh, employer, but also from uh, you know industry captains. It's, it's it's really
1: cool to be here. I love it. And the weather is a lot better than Germany anyway. Yes, exactly. Auto shows are. Indeed, meeting points for industry executives. Tell me about the importance of that. Well, you know, first of all, um, to connect on, on the
2: industry level, you don't really have much opportunity to m- meet, you know, like-minded people you know, outside your normal business meetings, um, just to connect and you know talk deep about your own business, but you know just to about trends and you know you see the designs of other. Um, manufacturers and learn a little bit more about the thinking behind it. And, you know, it's very important to to keep track of it. I, I, I enjoy this immensely and uh, it's, it's such, a, such a combined and a condensed form.
1: You, you cannot get it done differently, I guess. America has always been a bit of a riddle, to some extent, for Volkswagen. The popularity of, of the Beetle throughout the, the 60s and 70s and then, of course, the golf vehicles uh, that, that uh, Rabbit and Golf and GTI, uh, vehicles of that nature. And then uh, this sort of phase that went through the 2000s where uh, there were vehicles that were designed specifically for America but didn't resonate with Americans. Mm. So where are we now in that Volkswagen story? I would say well, on the one side we, we have now
2: products that are really well received by the American consumer on the Atlas, Atlas Cross Sport, the Tiguan. Great results and uh, you know, turnaround has been managed well You know. Company is profitable. Um, we're doing decent volume now, 3% market share, which is not enough. We going to grow that. But at the same time, all the electrification that's coming through is a, is a huge opportunity for us now to really come back to America with good products. We just invested $800 million uh, into the uh, factory in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where we built the ID4. And um, that car has been received super well. So um, we've got a lineup now until the end of this decade. And with uh, Pablo, as the new CEO, I think we also got somebody who really
1: embraces uh, the US, specifically, and the consumer. Uh, electrification, you're going to have the broadest electrified portfolio in the North American market. You have set 25 battery electric vehicles to American consumers. Mm. You've done your market research and you, you know where America's going to gravitate toward. What is it that will be appealing to Americans on the BEV side? Well, it's, it's the convenience of it, no? and, uh, I've never met anybody who's changed into an electric vehicle
2: who regrets it. No? It's the convenience, it's, a, um, it's quiet, it's uh, super powerful, um, the torque is great, um, the connectivity. So I think this is, once you're in it, you'll love it. And American consumers, and it's about functionality, um, uh, it's, it's, the overall package is, is
1: phenomenal, no matter uh, which of the models it is. Volkswagen is of course overcome uh, challenges related to a different propulsion system yes. here in America and we no longer really talk about diesel anymore. Uh, where, where is the brand relative to that? I think uh, what happened um, was
2: uh, was obviously a pivotal point in our history. Uh, the company is a different company now. We've uh, worked through this. Um, we have um, electrified completely basically you know there's huge plans all over the world that we have um, invested in and um, I would say uh, you know the the way forward is, is pretty clear it probably accelerated our um, development in that space you know, the events of 2015 so yeah tragic tragic past you know, but it, uh, it's always something good in a in a disaster, and I must, I must say, probably for the company, it was uh, at the end of the day, it was was then good that we took the right decisions.
1: Never wasting a good crisis. No, as they I'm, say, No, absolutely right. right. What do you think the company learned the most coming out of that?
2: <sighs> Difficult to say. And obviously, the you know, the culture um, was very much on. You know, we want to be number one and the uh, most amount of cars, and you know, we want to you know by numbers. And this was all dialed back into. Let's do profitable business. Let's do the right thing. You know, let's uh, get the right products on the road. You know, and if, if you don't be, if you're not number one manufacturer, so what? In, in volume, no, it's not. Why should there be a chase for the highest number in manufacturing? Is it really important? Is, is good business, good models, and a, and a, a great
1: ethics is that the right way I think better this way. Let's talk about some of your priorities. You've been very clear about certain priorities that you yeah. want. Number one is uh, Volkswagen, you want to turn it back into a true people's brand. Yes. Um, you want to make VW into a loved brand again. What do you mean by that? Well, VW is a, is a brand that, that everybody
2: really in the world has some story with. I mean, mm-hmm. whoever I speak to, you know, either in your, in your childhood or along the way, you had some history, some story you can tell around the right? My first car was a jet, was a GTI. There you go. Yeah. And uh, iconic uh, models, iconic, um, like things like GTI, for example. And, and, and in this game, um, we, in this chase of, you know, getting volume, you would, you know, have pro- all of a sudden models that go into niches and so on, and the, the consistency was lost. Um, also within, specifically in Germany, after Diesel, um, people oh, I wouldn't say they're mentally resigned, but they were, like, they were really down for for a long time. And it shook them to the core that something like this could happen in a, in a company like like ours. We're very proud of the company. And, and I want to reinstate really this pride again. Volkswagen is a company that is people's has to be a good company through and through. It has to push that button of wow! I want this product. It's the right product. Um, but it's not about always about just making profit. It's about doing good in the community. It's, it's so much more than just a great car with great design. You said emotionalizing the brand. Yeah, we had the most amazing advertisings, Right? I mean, yeah. we had this, this always a twinkle in the eye, you know, it was great stuff. This, and and it completely got lost along the way. We all of a sudden had these like advertisements that were like all technical, and we had funny people that nobody knew where they actually lived. Um, and that's not us, that's not us, we, we, we are a different company, we are, you know, it's got to be much more personal, human, you know, and, and real people, and, and always a twinkle in the eye, this is my aspiration to the team, so best, best brand is, love brand, this is a total focus for me, brand is everything. And you brought in a marketing uh, leader who comes yeah. from Google yeah, as well. Yeah, Kennedy. Yeah, great lady, I'm um, very excited that she decided to join us. <clears throat> also, you know, I think one of the reasons probably I employed the first female executive on the board, of you know, Volkswagen brand, you know, since its existence. Gemelda um, Labbe, she, she runs sales marketing, you know, and marketing, and you can see diversity is super important to me. I would say like, if you don't reflect your customer profile out there, you cannot make the right decisions for your customers. You know? If you only have the same type of people on the board, uh, all elderly male folks uh, <laughs> from the same area, then it that doesn't doesn't work. So we gotta diversify in all manners, and just makes it better for our products and the customers. So so Imelda's strongly pushing this, and Nelly now joining the team will change the tone of the of the advertising tone of how we approach customers. I'm
1: very excited about that. You talk about emotionalizing the brand and about what the brand really stood for. you were born north of Frankfurt. And in Marburg, yes. What was your memory of Volkswagen, driving it? So that area specifically
2: was always a hot spot of fighting between Opel yeah. you know, and uh, and VW. <laughs> yes. So you were either this or that. No? You were either driving a Scirocco or a Manta, or <laughs> not so well known in the American environment, I guess. But that was always rivaling products. And so. so so to me, it was always uh, VW was always the the better product. It was always the the you know like. Once you, once you went to VW, you made it. You just, you know, it's, you know, yeah, there's also a rivaling product from Opel at the time, but we always, the, the guys that were driving VW, was like, yeah, this makes sense, and they uh, you know, just a little bit off. So, yeah, uh, to me, it was always aspirational, and what, what is, uh, in, in my youth, um, it was interesting to see how the brand grew, you know, from a, a Beetle brand and, and the old golf all along. Not to what it became then, um, in the sort of as from 2010 11 onwards as a real big
1: Even up to a phaeton. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, that's <laughs> a good idea at the time, but uh, probably too early. For it. Probably too early, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, six figure priced vehicle that was a real, you yeah. know, you had arrived at that point if you owned a phaeton. Uh, you could probably do it now.
2: Right. People would be ready for it, but at the time, Volkswagen was still, like, the the maximum people could imagine was a Passat. You know, like, a, this was the biggest sedan you could possibly
1: get, that was it. So, yeah, a bit too early. One of your other priorities is fixing software issues. Yes. Software issues have become uh, top of mind. Uh, they have plagued the launch of Uh, The ID range of electric cars, Um, one auto tester at Consumer Reports in America said it's a disease that is spreading Uh, the systems used in the car. What do you have to do there? Mm. So,
2: so quality is is key for us, no matter if it's hardware or software. This is uh, non-negotiable and we have a a strong program that um, addresses all manners of quality along the vehicles. We have to make sure that we we, deliver what we promise. Volkswagen always stood for great quality, there is no give on this. And one has to admit that in the software space, um, um, we made a couple of mistakes, maybe it blew too fast on, on certain things. At the same time, um, what happened to us is the our product range and the amount of brands that we have within the Volkswagen group is so large that creating software and, and you know looking after the software is enormously complex. Uh, if, if and we're working now on reducing the, the portfolio, less variance and make sure that this is then hitting the point. It's unfortunately a, a learning curve that we had to go through. It's unacceptable, uh, I agree with you and
1: um, uh, I really apologize if we, if
2: we did to our customers there on the way.
1: Yeah, some of the stories, um, vehicles suddenly breaking because of a traffic sign detection system that was that was buggy. Um, smartphone app that is glitchy. I mean, I know there's growing pains yeah. in software yeah. and over-the-air yeah. updates. But still, yeah. you're, right. Right. you're right. It's no excuse. You you had said that Volkswagen needs to be a leading brand in the segment and, and not just an also-ran uh, brand. You have to be a leader when it comes to software improvements. What, what are some steps that you're taking in your first 100 days to make that happen? So the first thing we've done is we've created a... Um,
2: a committee on board level that we meet uh, every other week. We look at um, all topics from a consumer perspective. You know? we, have, we have teams working on user experience, we have teams working on functions, and and this is not only been, you know, so we talk about it, but they also they mock it up and we see, you know, like seating boxes where we sit in and they, they mock it up as if it's real and we try it out from like a consumer. and and before that it was mainly on, on PowerPoint or in your presentations. You look at it and say, yeah, it looks quite cool do it. Now here we look at it, we try it out ourselves and say, right or no, go for it. And we decide, we immediately allocate funds to it and we execute. So speed uh, and, and
1: real touch and feel. You've got to try it out. You've got to sit in the car and try it out. and Don't decide from your desk. You're also going to do something that I think is revolutionary at this point in, you know, 2022, heading into 2023, is you're you're going to put buttons back in vehicles. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me about this decision. Yeah, it's it's funny. You know, we had um,
2: lots of feedback from um, media, uh, customers, um, even J.D. Powers and so on, saying, you know, a couple of your your new features are not really user-friendly. And, you know, the one side... I guess in a larger organization it takes a while until the reality seeps in Um, but at the same time in a larger organization to change something is enormously costly like to change a tool for a steering wheel um, say on a Tiguan um, means you have to do it at least five, six times around the world times the locations that you produce it so it costs a fortune to do it Um, so you In the past, maybe, you know, we looked at it and said, well, uh, not so important, let's park it for another time. And we're not doing that anymore. We look at it, if it's important, if the customer feedback's like that, fix it. Mm -hmm. Fix it. It doesn't get better. It's like in private life. It doesn't
1: get better if you sit in a problem and (laughs) ignore (laughs) it. Right. You're working on more simplicity in general, though, right? Mm -hmm. Not just with larger screens, but with easier user experience and menus and... Did we get a little, did, did the industry get a little obsessed with the ability to take technology to a level that even surpassed the consumer's ability to comprehend it? Yeah, I think that it's good that there
2: was a the, you know, strict development going forward in, you know new inventions and it's all, all fine, but where's the customer value in this, in, in everything? You've got to always require, you know, look at it again and say, is there really customer value in it? Is it good for the consumer? Yes or no? Mm-hmm. and. Um, Certain functions, you know, and then when I look at it, and uh, I ask the the guys, uh, why are we doing this? You know, why are we? And they're like, well, because we can. Yeah, <laughs> and right, so right. some, some technician tells you, that, you know, that's a great thing, but uh, l- rather you know, dial it back and say, you know, is it really adding value? No. And we do a very strict process now, in which we um, take the top functions. You know, we sort all the possible functions. We sort it by what are the ones that we have to use the most. Every uh, consumer uses the most, these ones you want to put into buttons, and you want it first level, they're always available, clear. Then comes the next ten functions and where for you put them, or maybe if you put it on the screen, first level, second level in the menu, and so on. So a very strict
1: regime, and it needs some discipline to keep that steady. You have experience working at Skoda. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you think that there's a, a forging of a relationship between Seat and Skoda and some of the other brands as well. What do you mean by that?
2: So uh, the the volume brands, you know, Seat, Cupra, Skoda, Volkswagen, Volkswagen commercial vehicles, um, have traditionally uh, been set up also to compete. Um, when uh, Mr. Piech, the previous chairman, um, bought into these old brands, I mean, Skoda is, is the oldest brand we have in the portfolio. No? It was uh, celebrated its 126th birthday uh, this um, this year, and it's a it's a. It's It's a very respected old brand, you know, we mainly know it from the sort of later communist time in the Czech Republic, but it had a glorious history, especially in the 20s and so on, you know, hundred years ago. So these brands were bought into the portfolio and also Seat and so on, and they they are there for a certain reason, uh, but we, over the years, started to compete more with each other than actually compete with the market, and uh, when I took over Skoda, I was surprised how much time we spent um, arguing with Volkswagen or with SEA or Cupra on product issues. and like, why is that important? You know, this is differentiate, design, go for it, you know, compete. So when they asked me to take over this job and look after all the volume brands, um, I took it because I truly believe that I can make a difference in, in collaboration. Just by, you know, we have this um, collaboration now on this level that we say, Uh, In production, um, we brought out a a copy award. In the past, everybody would do their own thing and invent machinery and whatnot, and say, "I will not take over the one from Sehat or from Shoda because it's not invented here." So we do it ourselves. And so, if anybody has a great idea, other guys of the other brands get actually rewarded for copying it into their factories. So just by doing that, we saved 220 million dollars this year only by just copying stuff within our own organization. How easy is it? It seems natural. Yeah, so how easy is it? But this not invented here, and this unnatural competition between the brands, it's just a waste of time. And, and uh, I think we have brought this now to a real next level. That the, that we meet on a on a monthly basis. all the CEOs within the volume brands, we take decisions that are best for the group, and it's working. You said that doesn't mean that the cars are going to become more similar though, No. right? No, it can't be. No, and, and, <clears throat> the, the, the reality is that each of the brands stands for something completely different. No? here yeah, they're very young, um, expressionist kind of, you know, the vehicles, they're very sporty, very different than Volkswagen, which is mainstream, global brand, no? much more like a tailored suit. Anybody can drive it from a workman to a banker, it doesn't matter. Um, and Škoda is a very functional brand, no lots of space, um, uh, more like a, like a Swiss knife, kind of, you know, everything is where it should be and so on. And with that positioning, um, you can really serve the market um, across, you know, from one end to another without sitting on top of each other. So the the positioning, the design is super important and, um, and with that, you know, you don't want to do the same type of vehicle all the time. In the past, uh, the reaction was like this, you know. Skoda comes up with an idea to do a 7-seat uh, like MPV. Uh, the first reaction of Volkswagen would be, oh, I want, I, say, yeah, I want to do one too. Let's put it all together. We make a big project. We are so happy that we can create so much volume together. Then comes the, the reality of the budget. And then you say, phew, we haven't got enough budget, so we can't differentiate as much optically as we actually wanted to. And then you end up with vehicles that are too similar. So we've taken that away now. And rather do vehicles separately, and let the one brand do something different than the other, and you know have the portfolio more sorted. That's working well.
1: Let's talk about uh, autonomous vehicles. Mm-hmm. You said that uh, there, there will be a, but well, that there is a steep learning curve. Uh, when it when it comes to uh, autonomous vehicles within the, within the group, yeah. where are we now? Uh, and, and and autonomous generally has always been on this rolling ten year forecast that you know it's not this year; it's ten years from now, and next year it'll be another ten years from now. So where where are we on that? I would say it's it's coming a lot closer. Um, the uh, it, it
2: is a complicated field that potentially a couple of years ago we we all in the industry might have underestimated a bit. Um, but progress is, is immense. I mean, everybody is, is is doing something in that field. You, know? and you can see the progress coming through. You see vehicles driving around. The the cost per car is still too high, and you can't uh, you know make it available in general. But this will come. You know? So it probably will start at commercial applications, and then come into the private uh, space. Um, I would I say by the end of this decade, uh, we'll definitely be in this in this game. You know? It's 2010 to 2022. Um, Complication is really the legislation in each country. Uh, you have to prove that you actually, in fact, can drive. The system drives better than a human. Certain countries are, you know, accelerating it. China is accelerating it tremendously. And uh, U.S. is doing good progress here, but like a couple of countries in Europe are just not doing anything.
1: So it's so so it's, so un, it's unequal across the, the globe, really. You said that you need some lighthouse projects, as you term them, mm-hmm. um, and the uh, I think you were you were referencing the uh, upcoming Trinity electric sedan yeah. that will have level four uh, autonomous technology mm-hmm. for the first time. Yes, you want to see that the iteration of that continue, right, and and spread across across the group. So if we go out to twenty thirty three, what does that look like?
2: Now by twenty thirty three, you probably have. <clears throat> um self-driving capacity in virtually every vehicle um question is whether you, you put it in upfront and you make it available in later or you have variants of it um I'd say 33 it's safe to say that uh, it will be on a cost level that uh, for private applications it's available um, question is if uh, what does it mean in volume is, is it is it um is it really doing what we all hope—that you get a whole lot more people into into such vehicles that have now not got access to vehicles, young people, elderly people you know, that can own a vehicle but you know can still be driven around, or is it replacing um, taxi drivers? So or, or unclear. I think we're all learning in that space at the moment.
1: After the break, I'll continue my conversation with Thomas Schaefer, CEO of the Volkswagen Passenger Cars brand and head of the brand group volume. And to see my interview with Thomas, go to the Cars and Culture YouTube channel. Like and subscribe to see more than 80 episodes. welcome back to the program i'm jason stein in los angeles now the continuation of my conversation with thomas schaefer ceo of the volkswagen passenger cars brand and head of the brand group volume and to see my interview with thomas go to the cars and culture youtube channel like and subscribe to see more than 80 episodes so let's talk about some fun stuff yeah the world cup the world cup volkswagen is active in the world cup and uh, i think sponsoring the american team yeah. No, 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 it's very good. soccer is
2: especially in the us is very important I mean globally it's important for volkswagen because it's a it's an integrative sport right? all, people from all walks of life play it and enjoy it all over the world but here's also um, great in diversity and and, and it's good develop, very good fit to the brand we believe that's why the team's uh, very strong
1: on this uh, sponsorship and um, having this as a key sport. What kind of uh, push does that marketing give the brand? Well, marketing is important
2: because it sets a tone. But, uh, it, it is the, the window out to the to the consumer. And, and we, it, the brand is everything. The brand is our biggest asset, and you know, to put it in the right light, to connect to the consumer. And th- this is this creates the, the business environment for us. If you didn't have that, it's, if you lose this, and you tell the wrong story, be a disaster, and what story are you telling with the World Cup now? Well, the again, it's a story of of inclusion. It's a it's a story of you know sporty competitiveness of, um, uh, of, of team sport. You know, bringing um, you know great performance and precision and great planning to the um, to products. can tell it all. I think soccer is one of those um, not too complicated uh, sports that can tell a great story. Um, I know that Americans are more into football (coughs) or baseball, but uh, the soccer is like a real um, international sport all over the globe. Uh, The the remotest parts of Africa or South America, wherever we
1: operate, we usually have soccer as one of the key activities. What does Volkswagen need to stand for in America? What does the brand need to represent and personify? If you were to project out uh, a year or two, what would you be satisfied with when you look back on on the transformation of the brand? Well, Volkswagen is, always stands for you know,
2: family, um, space, f- great quality, um, efficiency, and uh, consumption, uh, great consumption uh, levels. Um, and, and the best... Sort of best choice. So it might not be the best in every uh, separate aspect, but altogether it's the best package that you um, you feel very comfortable in and it retains the value. Um, I think in the US, with our new products that we have now on the market, that will be a a real winner. We see the numbers going up, the the, the ore intake is enormous, and we're obviously hitting the nerve of the
1: the American consumer for the first time. Finally, reaping the wards. Reaping the uh, rewards of some good performance and, and good connections with your with your dealer body, and making money uh, as yeah. well. Now, well, that's important. I mean, it's right. business
2: is no fun when you don't make money. Right, And it right. was uh, very important for us. I mean, great turnaround story. Um, Scott Keough was running um, Fox One of America until recently. Um, he did a tremendous job, you know, putting in this brand. Uh, great turnaround. Uh, and, and when you when you make money, headquarters listens. Uh, and obviously I'm a very strong uh, advocate for the regions the regions have to focus on their business they know the business the best but at the same time you've got to carry your weight, you cannot be just a, like a dependent child and you have to uh, wait for uh, uh, some pocket money from mum from and dad you now you need to actually earn your own money and carry it and, then you're going, and this is this is happening right now, the team is very focused, we are trying to push more and more also um, R&D um, and, and anything in, into um, the region. So it's actually handled over here um, to relieve Headquarter from uh, from these functions and make it more American right here on the ground. That's a seismic shift, isn't it, for the it Volkswagen group? It is. We are very. It used to be a very centralized company. Uh, the, everything is like German engineering. It's like, that's the way it is. And may the world, you know, enjoy it. And, uh, this, is, <laughs> and this is unfortunately... You know, in the, in the new, especially the new technologies, it's, 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 not, it's not realistic, you can't, you can't handle it. Also from a, from a legal point of view, what, is a, what can you adhere uh, to the rules in the certain countries? You need to do it on the ground. You need to be here, you need to be here in America, you need to be in Europe, you need to be in China. It's unfortunately unavoidable,
1: you have to do it. Will you spend more time here in America? Oh, absolutely.
2: Going oh, forward, oh, absolutely. You know, I'm uh, with the team on the ground, we do, do regular business uh, updates. Okay. I usually only make it to the East Coast, but I'm really excited now that I finally made it back to Los Angeles and uh, a couple of other places that I want to revisit and the next time. And, uh, Pablo and I, we decided we're going to go see a couple of dealers and see how they're doing. They seem to be very, very happy with our products and uh, it's a good vibe in the dealer, in the dealer body.
1: I, I enjoy that. It's good. It's you have a very uh, varied uh, career. Mm. You spent time in Malaysia. Uh, you spent time in South Africa, mm-hmm. in the U.S. You were with Daimler, uh, you know, previously. Mm-hmm. Would you have imagined this kind of course that that you've been on to be exposed to all these different cultures and and um, uh, other other parts of the world?
2: Not really. I was uh, when I started my career. I, I was surprised when I started with Daimler, Mercedes, and I um, I was surprised that they took me on at the time. Uh, so okay something so You were a mechanical engineer. Right? Mechanical engineer studied with, with uh, Mercedes. They was a special study program in, in Southern Germany. And uh, but my career always sort of threw me into uh, some issues abroad. You know, like I, I got here to uh, Los Angeles just because you know there was a ramp up of the at uh, the time of the E Class for North America, and I was a quality engineer, and I was sent here to, to help with the ramp up. Sent me here for a uh, for a week to help. It turned out to be two years, so I had a great time, <laughs> fantastic time. And I thought, wow, that's fantastic, I really want to um, you know, do that again. And shortly after that, I got an assignment to South Africa this time, and met my wife there. And uh, yeah, from there, I went across the world. I always was interested in uh, cultures, different cultures, um, take the best, really, from each country, learning. Um, and my whole life, I was then responsible for like, you know, overseas operations and, and that kind of stuff. Um, and I thought when we went to South Africa and with Volkswagen for the second time, as was head of Africa. That I would stay there, Stay mm-hmm. put. I was, and we were working into Africa, exploring new markets, setting up new businesses in Rwanda, in Kenya, Ghana, and great fun. And I thought that's it. I'm, you know, I'm going to retire right there,
1: right then. Well. Cool. You see,
2: Here we are. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> tell me, tell me about the cultural differences of those markets. How you sell cars to folks in Kenya? Oh, um, yeah, it, interesting. Because Kenya is a
2: um, is a market that is swamped by uh, used vehicles. So uh, the business model is that in, uh, in Japan, um, Kenya is a right-hand drive uh, market. In Japan, after I think seven years, uh, vehicles cannot be registered anymore. So you actually have to. Uh, dispose of them, and those vehicles actually all arrive then in East Africa and get sold at a pricey amount of money. Um, so the used car market destroys any kind of new uh, job creation, uh, building vehicles in the region. So new cars really not have got no chance to operate. But we did, we agreed with the government at the time that setting up an operation in Kenya, creating jobs for young unemployed kids, you know, really moving it forward. Um, and uh, slowing down the import of used cars will then create a business environment in which um, you know you can actually operate. Africa has got huge potential. It's just uh, at the moment structurally um, wrong. There's a couple of things that need to be fixed in policy. And uh, um, you know, like most places, you cannot buy a car other than cash. So you have to buy cash upfront. And I mean, you know how many people have that kind of money to, you know, to buy a car in cash? So you finance it, you know, reason, it, but it's not available there. No, so but it can be done. And, well, I said, you know, all these problems that Africa actually has, um, you can fix if you want it. Mm-hmm. No? if you have political will, and as a industrial bravery, you could, you could make it happen. What did you take from mm-hmm. those experiences that you're applying now? Mm-hmm. It, it was like very entrepreneurial, very sort of pioneering stuff, mm-hmm. You now you had to. Uh, start business from scratch um, it was not getting somewhere you know you see an opportunity uh, because there's a market and then you participate you actually almost <clears throat> had to discuss first the sort of circumstances and the, the environment to create the demand for business so it's, it was very odd but very rewarding because you could see the impact that it has on uh, on the communities on, you know you create jobs you create you uh, create Wealth in a community that desperately needs it, and um, I was it, it sort of it motivated me immensely you know, to uh,
1: to work in this environment. Thomas, so much talk of the uh, logistics and supply chain issues uh, affecting so many regions of the world. Mm-hmm. Where are we in that? Is there an end in sight to inventory um, uh, to alleviate some of the inventory? Uh, problems that have occurred over the last two years? Or are we still 18 months out? Uh, I wouldn't say
2: 18 months. We're probably still going to be in this for the next 12 months or so. It got better um, in, in many places. Good decisions have been taken. You I see that the U.S. is also strongly investing now into, into semiconductors. and so is good. <clears throat> but at the same time, um, you know, you fix one problem, the other one comes up. So a lot of problems are hidden uh, below the surface, you know, by overshadowed by one big other issue. Once you fix the big issue, then all of a sudden the others come through. And I must say, the this, this last uh, two years have been absolutely crazy in this space. We are now, all across the world, you know, in the US, you have issues, you, know, you haven't got enough staff, you know, in logistics companies, you can't get parts or cars transported. Um, it, in the Europe, we still had the issue with uh, the Ukraine war. Um, this is crazy that uh, in this age we have a war in the middle of Europe. And um, most of the cable harnesses and suppliers are actually in the western part of, of the Ukraine. Yeah, You had a real problem with that. Yeah, we had shutdowns for, for many weeks. We had to um, sort of take tools out of Ukraine or, or buy new tools and, and bring them to North Africa or other bases, and so on and, and, you know, and start it up again. And there were a couple of companies that, that actually refused um, to leave. The people want to stay, and they want to work in their place, and uh, so we created um, a setup for them, that in, especially in Lemberg, there on the western part. They, they have to be in a shelter, in a, in a bomb shelter, in, um, I think, in 20 minutes max. So when the, the air raid uh, alarm goes off, you know, these folks, they walk into a bus, they go to air shelter, they waited it out, usually nothing happens in that area, and then they go back to work. And he said, right, why don't we relocate you to the other side of the border, we bring you to Poland or to Czech Republic or Germany. He said, no, no, we're home here, you want to work? That's it. Yeah. So this is, um, was a huge problem for us in, especially around uh, April uh, this year. We've, we fixed it now, so we're good, I'd say, uh, unless things are escalating further, which you never know, hope not. Um, but the semiconductors is, going to take us probably another good couple of months to get out of this. There's a structural shortage
1: in the in the total system. How do we fix that issue? Greenfield well, locations, new, new plants uh, in North America, and yep, less know. dependency on Asian
2: manufacturing? Absolutely. No, this is the only way to go about it. And Some s- strong investments are happening in the US, some are happening in Europe. <clears throat> this is the only way. Um, will it fix the problem overnight? Of course not, mm, but uh, this is a long-term business and uh, You
1: know the right steps have been taken now. It's it's a focal point, and we need to focus on it. Let's shift to EVs now. We touched on it earlier. Mm -hmm. You you talked recently uh, that the core brand of Volkswagen passenger cars wants to build only pure electric vehicles in Europe from twenty thirty three at the latest, which is actually a couple of years ahead of uh, um, what the original target was. Yeah. Why the shift? Why why pulling it forward? Because we see it developing faster than
2: we thought, to be honest. We see the the uptake in uh, electric vehicles, um, we see the markets developing, also the consumer shifting in in attitude towards it. It's happening faster. The last 12 months alone, um, things have accelerated so much so that it's reasonable to say that by 2033, specifically around Europe, uh, you're through, done. There's no need to go into any kind of uh, combustion engine anymore. Is it global? No. no I mean, in, in, in the US we believe market will probably be at 50% uh, in 2030. We aim a little higher uh, for Volkswagen. I think about 55% um, that we can do. By the end of the decade. By the end of the decade. You know, we see strong uh, you know, movements here. You now Jane the, on the show here in, in LA. You know, amazing. See new product coming through. Exciting products. And, and I think that'll change the change the game. And once people are in the cars, and you know, you've seen a neighbor drive one, you finally probably accept that this is good fun and, and convenient. Yeah.
1: We're sitting under an image of the Golf R, which is not <laughs> and not an EV. It's also fun, right? So will I have that in my uh, at, at my uh, local dealership to purchase uh, beyond twenty thirty? Yeah, which is I would say
2: so. That's. Uh, Performance um, vehicles are always a, um, a cluster that, that survives usually a little bit longer than the average uh, vehicle. Um, R is great because also all-wheel drive. No, it's it's real cool, it's fun to drive, and, and and it's almost a brand by itself. No, R and GTI are brands. I mean, we want to bring this into the future as well. Uh, and
1: what, what's an R of the future? What's a GTI of the future? And there are thoughts of using names like Golf or. Polo, even, after the internal mm-hmm. combustion models are phased out. Mm-hmm. You, that, that, the, that the names will live on, just it will be a different propulsion system.
2: <clears throat> so, let me say, not all the names will live on. Certain names are iconic. Golf, for sure, is a, a, an iconic name. Um, very much so, Tiguan um, is an iconic name, for example. Um, so we want to make sure that they live on in which format exactly, we're not 100% sure, to be honest. We're working that out at the moment. We're doing the sort of naming and you know, forecasting on the portfolio and so on. That's not quite done, but it, it looks like it's going to be like a mix of um, the ID. ID is a known brand now, too, but you know,
1: how do we bring that in the future? We're not going to lose the golf. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. No, yeah. no, no, no. From a from a 1986 golf owner, that's, that's, that's go. great to hear. Thank you. Your first hundred days have been interesting. You, I saw a couple of videos on YouTube where um, you want to talk about emotionalizing the Volkswagen brand. I think you're you're a, it, you're representing emotion as the CEO of that brand. You were in an ice cream truck delivering ice cream to uh, uh, workers uh, who were uh, in uh, Wolfsburg, including the uh, security guard who was quite happy to take the chocolate that, that you were giving her and you also uh, on the on the very first day that you uh, took on this role you, you made a video where you bumped into various people who said that they didn't know where to go on the campus and you said well it's my first day too. I haven't seen, I've been following Volkswagen for the better part of 20 years. I haven't seen that kind of humanizing of the leader that I'm seeing in you. Is that who you are? Is that your... Yeah. It's, uh, it's totally who I am I don't take myself too seriously,
2: I love to go to work and, and have fun with the people that are there you know, and um, make it more human, more more friendly, and it creates a much better environment to work in. You know, I know the old style, leadership style, you know, when you're terrorizing your people and shouting, you know, I don't think it gets you anywhere, so <laughs> and, I, and I always thought, you know, when I was going through the ranks, um, that I'm, I'm probably going to end in, in, in trouble because I I don't fit in <laughs> <I>
1: don't
2: <know. laughs> but at the end of the day it seems to work so I'm, I, the people pick it up and I, and I can feel the spirit you know? the people around me wherever I go you know, I got, still got this like the team Volkswagen the guys who you that burn for their brand they love it they, they, they want to see it grow again and, and that's what I'm also trying to live and get them to Collaborate better. And, you know, this, it's like a, like a football team. You're pull together and
1: right. go for it. We don't know that much about you personally, except for your South African wife. Huh? Tell me a little bit more about the personal side of your, of who you are, the culture of Thomas Schaefer. Not that much to know. I'm a pretty, <laughs> pretty down to
2: earth guy. I, I like sport. I, I run every morning. I get up at five and, and, and run. I do that so that I can actually eat and drink what I want. <laughs> and it's the quickest way of getting things done. I, um, I love steaks, uh, I'm in love with prime rib in the US. Um, I, other than that, I uh, we don't have kids, we have dogs and horses and uh, enjoy that immensely, we live on a ranch, um, privately, which I don't see too often, unfortunately, but uh, I hope that gets better now with uh, getting into the job and getting Things better sorted out, but, but I love uh, love wines. I love um, South Africa, obviously, you know, it's, uh, part of part of me too, and um, love travelling. What's in your garage? My garage is a, um, a golf buggy. I don't have I don't have any vintage cars. No. And, um, I, I I had a, a 1966 um, SL Mercedes which I actually bought in Newport Beach and uh, brought it back to Germany in 1996. When I had it, I, I found out that I'm actually not into old cars, that you know you need to spend a lot of time with it and you know and have it. it was, so I'm, I got a golf cart and also not playing enough golf. That's also the unfortunate side, so I'm thinking about giving that up.
1: It frustrates me. Well, you're not alone in that. <laughs> Well, I guess we can call you now, since we're in America, we can call you Cowboy Thomas Schaefer, given that you have the ranch. Yeah. But uh, welcome back to the United States. Welcome to L.A. uh, And uh, thanks for being on Cars and Culture. Thank you very much. Thanks again to my guest, Thomas Schaefer, CEO of the Volkswagen Passenger Cars brand and head of the brand group Volume. To see my interview with Thomas, go to the Cars and Culture YouTube channel. Like and subscribe to see more than 80 episodes. And thanks for listening to Cars and Culture. You can follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook, as well as on Instagram at Cars and Culture SXM and on Twitter at Cars and Culture. I'm Jason Stein in Los Angeles. We'll see you down the road.